This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 167 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm not Ben, I'm Gary and joining me is not Ben either but Jake, how are you doing mate? Yeah, not Ben, not Gary, not anybody, but Jake. Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. Um, nice to be back on the podcast, obviously, given the fact that we lost again on the weekend. Obviously, it was only right that I was back on. Now, not becoming a conspiracy theory, is it, it, it's actually a thing. So, no, glad to be back on. Um, looking forward to an Easter weekend where we pick up probably one point as well. Oh, wow. So, so you're basically loser, Jake. Uh, because you only come on when we lose, you're nobody by your own um, by your own admission there, and you're a miserable bastard. Well, that's yeah. fantastic. I look forward to the next fifty minutes. Well, do you know, what, guys? Last time me and you were on the podcast, I got a parking ticket. Do you remember? And, and it, it's not been a great week. It's it's just been a busy week at work, and I've not had a parking ticket this week. I'm just plain miserable. So. Uh... Yeah, the, the performance on Saturday didn't particularly help. So um, anything to try really? and yeah, I, I didn't look. I, I don't think we were we were awful, but it, it was more the fact that the result was a bit of a sucker punch rather than the the performance, perhaps. So it was more, it was more just, uh, you know, I was just disappointed with football, and um, obviously things have have sort of spiraled out of control with social media. It's been a bit of a toxic week, hasn't it? Which we'll get into, but. Yeah, it's not great vibes around the club at the moment, I don't think. No, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, before we, we talk about Wigan, I think it's really easy to fall into a trap of looking at the vocal minority um, who are entitled to their opinion. Um, you know, you, you and I are probably going to disagree a little bit about the game because I actually didn't think it was bad at all. And whilst the result was disappointed, I think there was plenty for us to take away from it. But um, you know, it's easy to think that things aren't well around the club when you you see a kind of a snapshot of what people say on social media. But you know, I tend tend to find that that's not actually always indicative of or reflective rather of 
of the rest of the fan base. And I think that also kind of, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a later podcast, not today, but the programme um, is obviously something that's been heavily up for debate. And there's a lot of kind of people saying, you know, I'd be better to invest it in digital media and we should get rid of it. And, you know, people on Twitter are saying, well, don't buy a programme anymore. No, because you're on social media. But actually, mm. when I sit in the ground, I look around me and I see Stan who sits next to me with his program and I see another guy two doors down from me or two seats down from me, who, you know, doesn't look like your typical TikTok user. So it's, you're not going to get those people's opinions because they're not on the social media. So it's easy to think that there's not a good feeling around the club. I don't think there's a great feeling because it's been a disappointing season and we lost again. Yeah. But you know, I think in the grand context of things, losing at home to the league leaders and, and more or less matching them in terms of shots on target, um, was was a decent effort. So, yeah, you kick us off then. What were your thoughts on on Wigan? Let's deal with the first. Let's let's be let's be systematic about it uh, and deal with uh, the first half first. Um, well, the first goal, Gary. I didn't even see it go in. I was too busy. I was. I think I was having something to eat. I didn't even see the first goal go in. Um, I think it was Callum Lang. By the sounds of it, I mean, I've watched the highlights back. Um, look, it's like it's like a hot knife going through butter at the minute. When 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 attackers go through our defence and look, I'm I'm disappointed because obviously we played some senior players in, in the middle of the park. We had Joe Walsh who who people are uh, uh, sort of they're, they're split on, aren't they, in terms of whether to keep him or, or get rid of him in the summer. Which I'm sort of leaning towards getting rid of Joe Walsh now. Um, you know, he, he's a great defender. He's he's just injured injured all the time. And I, I, look, he's great at passing the ball. Maybe if better holding midfield than the centre half, I don't know. But yeah, the first goal of the defending wasn't great. Um obviously we yeah it, look Callum Lang's a good player for this level, Gary. Um I think he'll easily cut it in the division above. But we we sort of gave it to them on a silver platter, I think the first goal having watched it back, like everyone sort of just stood still. I don't know I don't know what you thought. It just I just think if, there's still the threat that we might get relegated. I'm not saying we're going to get relegated. There's, there's, it's mathematically not impossible for us to go down yet. And I know I sound negative, Nelly. But I just, I just, oh my um, god! Look. Hang on, let me get Ben back on the line. Wow. Um, yeah. You know what? You're right in terms of the goal. Um, yeah. It was a weak, weak goal. And for yeah. me, actually, the main issue is Adam Jackson because he just gets. Just gets pushed off the ball, like, do you know what I mean? Like a grown man taking a shirt off a kid. You know, when there's a kid in the crowd, he goes, Give me your shirt, Ronaldo, and they throw it. And this grown man swoops in and grabs it. You see those videos, and you think, You yeah. bastard, you're bigger than him and stronger than him. That's Josh McGuinness, which is bigger and stronger. And he's just, he just pushed Jackson out of the way, just barged him out of the way like he's in a queue at Alton Towers, just boof. Um, and yeah, Joe Walsh could have done better. I disagree quite firmly with you about Joe Walsh, I think. Mm. Uh, I think he's a very, very good defender. So uh, I think he makes our left back play better um, yeah. when he's when he's fit. I don't think that Joe Walsh is. Uh, he hasn't had the benefit of a preseason. He's missed so many games. He's kind of come back in, and if we can get him through preseason, and bear in mind he's in contract next year, so it's not a case of do we let him go or not. It's a case yeah. of can we sell him or not or pay him off. And you certainly wouldn't want to be paying Joe Walsh up. You you'd rather keep him on the side if you've got to. I think it's Adam Jackson that's actually out of contract. Um, so, yeah, that that was it, it was... it was a little bit of both. I think it was more Adam Jackson. If Adam Jackson deals with the first ball, Joe Walsh doesn't have to deal with the second ball, frankly. But then we got back into the game and it was, um, you know, it was a decent goal. First goal, I think, that they've conceded, wasn't it, since February in the league, something like that? 
I long they don't concede many we're going to do that I know they kept a clean sheet on the Tuesday before against Atkinson as well um I'm just actually doing what Ben does and, and researching at the last moment, Gary. So you have to bear... No, because they conceded against Bolton the week before. John Daddy. So one, one goal since February? Uh, no, because they also conceded to Morecambe the week before. And MK Dons yeah. the week before that. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so um, no, they conceded a couple, but I think they, the fact that they just score so many goals, I think they've scored, um, looking at the league table, um, they've scored, what? Um, 73 goals this season, which is, wouldn't be surprised if that's nearly double what we've scored. But when you've got the options that they've got, you know, you expect them to score that many. But no, they have conceded a couple and they were susceptible con- to conceding. And look, I think the goal was quite fortuitous in the way it fell to Scully. Um, I, I, look, it's a good finish from Scully. I thought at the time when when he went through on goal, I thought he was going to miss. Um that's not because I've got no faith in Anthony Scully. I just thought he didn't look comfortable. He didn't look set. But obviously, then he, he found the corner, which which was great. And from that moment on, I, could, I was sort of positive, like you are now, Gary, about the performance because we've gone behind. And how many times this season have we gone behind and, and just limped to the full time and not really made much effort? And, you know, it, it, shown, it shows that, you know, these players are still playing for the manager and, you know, they got back into the game and, and to do that against Wigan of all teams, it was good, and you know everything was looking positive. But then obviously it wasn't that long till they went up the other end and got another one. Yeah, and again it was it was a relatively easy one. I mean, it's it, same way we conceded against Fleetwood, wasn't it? You know, the ball doesn't doesn't stick to a centre forward. In this case, Scully loses it. Quick break, and I, I do you know I able specifically remember it unfolding because I remember their boy breaking. I think it was Dariqua. I think that's his name, the former Forest boy breaking down the flank and see Joe Walsh absolutely busting a gut to get back to him. And my first thought was, where's Jamie Robson? Because, do you know what I mean? That's the left, down yeah. right side, it's left-hand flank. But it was a comedy as the ball come across as well because I think there was a lucky bounce or two and it went through legs and that sort of thing. It's just, and they scored. But do you know what? After their goal, there was not one single point in that first half where I thought this could be four, five, six or seven. Because they looked good going forward, but actually, I thought we, I thought we looked all right. Uh, it got to half time, and it, uh, my my dad, this is now my dad is, you know, he's an eternal pessimist. Um, and my dad even said, you know what, I still think we'll get something from this game. And for him to say that, I just think that's reflective of how we were playing. And I think the fact, I think the negativity that we're hearing um, post match is actually more related to the to the last fifteen minutes when you concede third and Michael hasn't made the changes. I don't think it was particularly related to the performance. No, I think I think that's fair. Um, obviously, I think you know you give Will Keane the, the space in the box that, that we afforded Will Keane, who's scored nearly twenty league goals this season. It, it, it's inevitably going to end up in the back of the net because he's a really good player, and you know he's one of those that Wigan. You know he went to Wigan while they're on their ass, weren't they? And and you know now they're playing much better football. He he looks so much better in a better team. I think you wrote in an article about. You know, Hakeem perhaps looking bad this season, but if we go and you know perhaps challenge for the top six next season, Hakeem might be a big part of that, and it shows you because Will Keane is that sort of player. It wasn't really didn't pull up any strings last season at Wigan, and and then he's gone on and done, and that for them. And no, I, I mean I I thought when when they went two one up, um, I thought we might have a chance. Um, obviously that the, the, there was an incident wasn't there in the second half on Teddy Bishop, which. It, I've seen them given, but you also see them not given as well in terms of... Was that before the goal? 
um, the penalty, the issue. Uh, oh, no. the penalty. Sorry, um, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant the foul on him before the goal. No, Sorry. I, 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 if, we're, if we're talking about the foul before the third goal, I didn't think it was a foul. I think nah, just, never, I, never. Just beginning won, won the ball fairly. Um, yeah. But the penalty, I, I, I did think at the time, and having watched it back, um, I think Michael's a bit strong on the way he's called it a rugby tackle. I didn't think it was a rugby tackle. I thought it was, it was an unfair tackle, and. and I would have given a penalty. Obviously, I'm I'm, a, I'm an Lincoln City supporter, but I think the referee should have given a penalty in that moment because it it, it looked like the defender made absolutely no effort to get to the ball, did he? It looked like he was trying to take Teddy Bishop out, and and obviously, um, no, I think it was a penalty. But that I don't think that changes the game because no, I don't think it changes the game. But obviously, well, the penalty given. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, yeah, I, I, given, absolutely. I still, I still think Wigan might go on and win the game at that point if we get a penalty and it goes to two two because they've shown that they can go, you know, they can be pegged back and they can go score. So no, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Um but then the the foul before the third goal, like you say, not for me. I, I think Michael's not being dramatic, but you know, at the time I think everyone thought it might have been a foul, but watching it back, I think I've probably sided with the referee on that one, which is strange. Well, the penalty for me, the, the big question, and by the way, in real time from where I was sat, it looked like a penalty and mm. everyone around me thought it looked like a penalty, but the referee's got to give it in real time as well. Mm. Um, I thought the referee had a fussy game, if I'm honest. I thought he was inconsistent. I thought there were some fouls he could have pulled off. I thought there was decisions that went odd ways and that's Scott Oldham for you. That's that's kind of what he does. Um, I wasn't sure about the penalty having watched it in slow motion. The question is, if the player gets, if it's not a foul, the player has got to have got the touch, and mm. the player knows that because he's immediately pointed for a corner. Was it Curtis Tilt? I might be wrong. Yeah, but he's, he's a me or he's immediately pointed for a corner. So he thinks, hang on, I've taken the player here, but I've got the ball, so it's got to be a corner. If I've not got the ball, it's a penalty. Mm. But the referee thinks that he has a not got the ball because he awarded a goal kick, but b not fouled Teddy Bishop. That's not possible. It's mm. either a corner, and I'm not. I'm not saying that the game turns on a corner because it absolutely doesn't. Because our corners are shit, but the game doesn't turn on a corner. I disagree. The game turns on a penalty. We get a penalty, put that away. Two two. The the mood changes again. And yes, they were able to kind of attack us, but I, I just you know it obviously changed for me. It obviously changes the game because it's level. They've got to come at us again. And actually, in the first half, when they had to come at us, I thought we played well. And and um, who was it? Who was it? Ted Bishop, wasn't it? Had the effort saved in the first half as well, a, a sort of a half volley. We created chances. When it was 2-1 and they came out for the second half, I thought they were much more compact. They sat a little bit deeper. They didn't create as much in the second period as they did in the first period. They did. There was a great save from uh, Jordan Wright, who's been superb. So, well, you know, it's ifs and buts. It wasn't given. They then scored a third, which, as you and I have both said, was a perfectly fair goal. There's no arguing with that. Uh, and over the course of the 90 minutes, the right team won the game. Yeah, I think so. And it, they, they showcased, didn't they, Wigan, how, you know, they, I think they backed it up with a, a point at Burton in midweek as well. And, you know, th- th- it feels like they've got one hand in the championship. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, you know, I don't think they're the best side to come to since Bank this year. I think, it, it, you know, based on the performances, that's probably the opponents that we have on Friday, given the game. But, no, they're, they're a good side. They've got a good manager. Um, you know, it's good to see Wigan. I think it's good to see Wigan doing well. Um, obviously, I, I've made a few friends of Wigan supporters over the, the season, which which is nice. And 
look, I, I, I'm happy to see we can to, to we can go. I, I don't like. I think you wrote as well, didn't you? You don't begrudge Wigan of their promotion whatsoever, purely because they're, you know, given what they went through the last twelve eighteen months. That I, I think there's no better story in in League One than for them to get promoted. You know, whereas you look at MK Dons, you go, yeah, no thanks. Yeah. No thanks. If the, if I had to pick two teams out of League One to be promoted that weren't us, I'd probably. I mean, there are there are a couple of you think because they're small teams you'd like to see them go through, actually because of what we're going to have been through, and because when you look at their side and their their so called big money signings, the the Charlie Wikes for instance, and and yeah. I think Graham Shinney as well, they're not playing, and actually they're getting a tune out of players who have failed already at this level. Will Keane failed at Ipswich. Um, yeah. You know, Callum Lang been out on loan in numerous different places. Mm. Uh, Josh McGuinness, okay, has, uh, has earned promotions, but you know, I didn't think he was anything special. I thought he was the difference between the two teams, if I'm mm. honest, on Saturday. So even Tom Naylor's been at Burton, and you've got Max Power, who couldn't do it at Sunderland. And by the way, he's a proper shithouse, that boy, isn't he? Do you see him nick the, kick the hat off the steward? Have you seen the replay? Yeah, uh, yeah Max Power. I, look, I, I think Max Power was a little bit, Bitter, obviously, he played for that Sunderland side, didn't he, last season? Um, I think he was. He's a, he's a good player for League One level. I, I don't think he'll he'll play many minutes in the Championship next season. He might do because we're going to have no option. But I I don't see him as a second tier player. Not for me. He'll be. I think he'll be gone. I think he'll be gone. But obviously, he did that right at the front of the Stacey West stand, and it could be one of the last times that we see the Stacey West stand in that particular. Um, that particular guys, and that's what's called a segue, and we always have to announce when we do them on this show, apparently, because, well, mainly because most of the time Ben doesn't pick up on the fact that I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> so if we've wrapped Wigan up, we'll move on to what, what is probably the big news of the week. And, you know, the fact it only broke yesterday, it's, it's kind of, you're talking about Wigan. Wigan seems a long while ago now because of all of the, 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 the chatter around the Stacey West stand. And I think some people listening to this who think that what's happened is, is a massive negative are probably going to be a bit disappointed because they're about to listen to, I, I think, two people who can see the positives in it, and but not club stooges. That, I, I'm not here because the club have told me to talk positively about the Stacey West stand. I'm disappointed that the capacity is not being uplifted. So... Before I come to you, for those who don't know, Stacey West Ham was initially going to have kind of like a, not a second tier, but it was going to be extended to the back. There was going to be more seats going in all the way up to the, uh, the back of the stand. And then there was going to be lots of community stuff underneath. The core driver of the expansion of the Stacey West stand was to get more commercial space, more space underneath the stand for the foundation, for the community. And a lot of the funding came from... Um, grants as such which Damien Frogger and his team put an awful lot of hard work in to secure uh, and then the bond on top of that was to get the funding over the line and the bond was you know very much sold on the fact that the, the stand will make money back with the increased capacity as well as everything else around it and um, building costs have risen when I was on the support board we were talking very much about building costs rising and the the cost of the stand I believe and I'm happy to be corrected had gone up by a six-figure sum six-figure sums a big amount um, and rather than directors trying to dip into their pockets, which would take away from the possibly from the playing budget, possibly from future investment, the club have decided to scale back on the plans for the Stacey West. So it will now be done in three phases. The first phase will be the um, ground floor built out from the back of the Stacey West stand, which will be to house the foundation, Lincoln City Foundation. Uh, the second phase, which is then started once that that one has been complete will be uh, an upstairs with commercial space with 
um, office space, etc., uh, for the for the club. Uh, and then the third phase, should we get to that, which may be in 24 months, which is two years for those who are shit at mass, um, will be um, executive boxes now rather than extra seating. So there'll be no extra seating. There will be extra revenue created by uh, potential commercial uh, or, or, or executive boxes. Um, people have heard what I've got to say on it rather extensively. I've fallen out with a couple of people on social media or certainly had crossed views with them. Where do you stand on it, Jake? You've been relatively silent, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I purely, I didn't want to tweet too much about it, just in case. Obviously, I got a bit of stick for it, but no, I look. It, it, I can understand why some people are disappointed. Obviously, I think people wanted the increased capacity so that we had, you know, more away fans in the ground, which I can understand. But you know, in League One, how many teams are, are going to sell four thousand seats? You know, you're looking at Sheffield Wednesday potentially, Ipswich be a bit of a struggle. Portsmouth, I don't think, would do it. Sunderland would do it. But, you know, some of those teams are going to get promoted. And look, I think that the idea of the expansion of the Stacey West came prim- primarily to help the foundation. Lincoln City is not, I think you said this on your dog walk this morning, Gaz, um, Lincoln City is not just about the 11, 14 players that go out on the pitch, um, uh, you know, every Saturday. It's it's about the entire football club and the foundation is a massive part of that. It's massively grown over the last couple of years, I think. Um, you know, a certain ex-manager put a lot of stuff into the foundation and, and I think Mike Appleton's been, been really keen to get it going as well. And But the office space for them is really important. And I, I think, you know, it's it, it's good because obviously it helps the community around Central Bank. Obviously, Central Bank is in an area that of Lincoln that perhaps I think people would say perhaps isn't the best area of Lincoln in terms of, you know, living and stuff like that. Um, so it, it's good to be able to help those children who and the parents of those children you know um i have a, a work colleague who's whose whose son goes and plays the football there every week on the astro um massively helps her out in terms of you know looking after a kid um but no the fact that the foundation is is the main priority and, and like you said earlier that the, the football club is more than just the team because the team and the club are very different um like i like i said that i can be i can understand the disappointment in terms of the extra capacity, but um, I think Scott, Liam Scully put it on Twitter at, that it was mainly due to the foundation. And yes, the, the, the whole thing about corporate boxes in the away end, I think Wolverhampton Wanderers have got it. I think Birmingham City have got it. Look, there's some bad examples of away fans and corporate people rubbing up the wrong way. And but I think that you're going to get that at football anyway. And it it's it's difficult. Um, that it works and it doesn't work. Um, but yeah, it, like, I'm not too really sure where to go, guys, because I, I think it's a it's better than doing nothing. Obviously, we had to spend the money, at, you know, in the time frame that we're going to spend the money. Um, this, you know, it was to my understanding that the supporters could pull their money out because the the project wasn't going ahead as planned. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's a case of you know taking the from the poor to giving back to the rich. Um, I think people have, you know, they're, they're, you know, people of Lincoln are sensible enough to decide what to do with their money. And if they wanted to keep the money in the club, then then fair play. But you could have withdrawn your money if you didn't like the thought of it. So, no, I think it's 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 an interesting development. I think it's probably, I'm not sure why people are moaning. I think it, it helps the football club. Um, and ultimately, I think if we want to have success on the pitch, we have to have success off the pitch. And this is, you know, a massive step in, in the right way of having success off the pitch so that we can be more successful back on it. Yeah, I get what you mean. I think um, I think some people have claimed that it's a lack of ambition, that the championship is now not the aim. And 
the thing is the two things actually aren't connected because it is it hasn't been scaled back because we're not performing because we're not going to be into the championship it's been scaled back because it might cost out of the the club budget 250,000 300,000 pound more and I haven't got the exact figure to hand but it's been publicized in the past so you know, it hasn't been scaled back because because Michael anything Michael Appleton has done uh, which I actually think is just, you know, it's just utterly crazy kind of um, kind of idea to have. But people have had that, and people said, "Oh well, that must be it now. We don't, we're not aiming for the championship anymore." And you know, the point is, of course, it would have been nice to have done it in the original guys. Of course, it would. Um, it, it, there's no doubt whatsoever about that. But the club have now put a plan together whereby, longer term, it will still be an earner because there is no doubt that the average price of an executive box seat is. Far out, far outweighs the average price of a, of a non-executive box suite. If we've got executive facilities at that end, it also then does open up the potential for renovating the Bridge McFarland or the whatever it's called, the Crypto Cloud stand. And for me, that's where actually we need to focus because that's you know, aside from the Lego Brick Solenity stand, you know, it's the lame duck at the far end that gets what 400, 500 people in. I would say max. And with the boxes, if we've got boxes at one end, what actually we can then do is go, right, we'll have that as the away end, knock that down, stick a 2,000, 3,000 stand with, you know, you wouldn't even need the bar facilities. You could shuffle the fan zone over then to the Stacey West end in the car park. And I know what people say, what about car parking? There's always a, a what about. There's always somebody who's going to have their nose put out of joint. I think the club had to do something. Yeah, look, I've seen the drawings. They look uninspiring. At the back, it looks like you're turning up to Scunthorpe's ground. I get, I get that. Um, but it's like football shirts, isn't it? You can see something in, in on paper and go, that's really nice. And then you can get it and wear it and go, actually, that's, that's shit or vice versa. Mm. So I think, I think we have to reserve judgment. I, just, I think if they'd cancelled it completely, there would have been real problems because people would have then said even more of a lack of ambition. And, and I don't get this, you know, so many people saying fans were asked to put their money in their hand in their pockets again. They weren't. Fans weren't, nobody, they didn't go to the fans and say, we're raising money for a stand, can you give us money? The bond was an investment scheme, it was quite clear, and people were very, the people that invested in it were happy to do so. And people are getting angry on social media as if we'd gone around, you know, rattling buckets saying, we need an extra thousand seats. And people go, oh, I'll pay for those, there's a tenner. And then now they've gone, ha ha, we're going to build executive boxes for the corporates. That isn't what's happened. And it, for me, it, it almost felt to me like you're walking down the street and you look in somebody's house and they're watching, let's say, Behind Their Eyes on Netflix. And you're going, but I don't want to watch Behind Their Eyes. Those poor bastards are having to watch it. I'm not having this. I'm kicking off in the street. When the people in there, they're happy. They're watching their show. They've invested their money. They're not going, oh, I need to turn this over. And instead, you've got people on the outside looking in going, but Behind Her Eyes is crap. It's like, you didn't put the money in. No one asked you to watch this show. No one's asked why are you there putting an opinion on social media? And then you get there, you are, well, you're not allowed an opinion brigade. And that, I'm not even going any further because that just winds me up. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. I've been very, very, you know, strong. Everyone's entitled to an opinion, but every opinion can be questioned. But yeah, yeah I get, I, I get some of the disappointment. I do. I get some of the arguments, you know, against it, but I, I, I just think it's the lesser of two evils. You know, you either there's three. There was three options. You either plow money into it from the playing budget, and then you would get the the pitchfork brigade coming out and going, "Why haven't we 
done this, why, you know, we must be in financial difficulty if we can't afford John Marquis, but we're investing in a stand. Do you know what I mean? You would get that. So that was always off the table. So you either scale it back or you don't do it at all. If you don't do it at all, you hand the grants back and then people go, oh, all that grant money gone to waste. What a waste of time that was. I just, yeah, just baffled me. That was a great Mark Goldbridge analogy, um, Gary. No, why have you mentioned that him? You, that you've just done. Um, I was, yeah, that sounded like something that he would do on one of his two o'clock shows or something. No, I'm with you, Gary. I think obviously when the plans were announced, it was 2019. I want to say it was, um, and obviously 2022, and, and and living in the world that we do, it's extremely different in terms of obviously the, the, there's been COVID. There's you know, the situation that's going on in Ukraine, uh, like you say, the cost of building materials. And if we had put, if, you know, the, if, if the Jabara family had, and, and and Clive had put money into this project rather than, like you said, signing a load of players next summer, then the supporters would, would have kicked off, wouldn't they? Because, yeah, we've got a nice stand with 4,000 seats while we're in League One that nobody's going to fill, but we've not got a centre-forward that can score 20 goals a season. And, we finished exactly where we are this season. So you've got to think about, you know, ambitions um, on the pitch as well. So, yeah, it, it, it's a difficult decision to make. I can understand why people are annoyed, but I think for the long run of Lincoln City Football Club, it is probably a, a not a bad not a bad decision at all. And I mean, you know, just kind of we'll, we'll shuffle on from that, I think, because there's another decision that's going to need to be made over there. The summer, and it's one that's going to divide the fan base. Shock, horror, um, and that's obviously the future of Liam Bridcourt. Now, uh, as we're recording today, we're recording Thursday, and this should actually be with you on Thursday, so it should be news that's broken today uh, that Liam Bridcourt will miss the rest of the season, which actually is a little bit—it's um, a little bit over dramatic, isn't it? Because it's like that scene in Afterlife where the 97-year-old woman and they say she's scarred for life. It's like, well, she's had 97 years, but she's not scarred yet. Liam Bridcott's not, he's missing four games, which in the context of how many he's already missed um, is a small portion. But he won't play again this season. Uh, people are saying it's a shame that it's the end of Liam Bridcott's Lincoln City career and we've got to get rid in the summer. Uh, do you know what? I don't think we will. I think uh, the fan base will be incredibly divided uh, come the summer when Liam Bridcott's given a new contract. Because so-called happy clappers, of which I often get labelled, um, will say, you know, great guy to have around the club, massive influence on the young players. I would think there'll be a contract that will be structured in a way that rewards him with coaching as well as a pay-as-you-play. Um, mainly because what are his other options? You know, he's played 14 games injured this season. If he goes, I'm going to go look for a playing contract. It's going to be in League Two at best. And our League Two, I don't see it aligning with his long-term goals, which I think are coaching. So I, I think Liam Bridcourt will play for Lincoln City again. Uh, I think he will also have a, a more senior role within the coaching setup. Uh, and I, I, I think it would be absolutely the right decision uh, to take for the club. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Gary. I think you know, I put a tweet out about three hours ago about, about Liam Bridcourt and... You know, if, if I was the football club, and and especially you know the way that Appleton views Bridcut in terms of the fact that he's his you know his manager on, on the pitch, I think that Appleton and the club will be bending over backwards to to make sure that that Bridcut gives gets a contract. I think 
I think it, I saw it, obviously the news about John Marquis has also broken today about us maybe not being able to afford him. If it was a straight toss up between Bridcut and Marquis, I think you'd pick Liam Bridcut any day purely because of the the ability that you know that Bridcut possesses. You know when he plays, the, there is no denying Gary that we are a much better footballing side. Um, his communication is, is spot on. I think you know he. he positions his body in ways that allows him to win the ball effectively and brings us, you know, back through the middle third. And look, Liam Bricker, it will be a decision that splits the fan base. I'm with you. I think he I think he deserves a contract. I think, you know, given what he's done from when he came into the football club, um, we've massively improved. Obviously last year, you know, you know, you could argue that yes, we had the players of George Grant and Brennan Johnson and Morgan Rogers and, you know, the list goes on. But without a Liam Bricker in the middle of midfield, I don't think we get there. And Liam Bricker is is you know like I said he's Michael Appleton's captain uh, manager on on the pitch and I really hope we we get him a deal even like you say if it's a pay you know pay as you play contract I don't know if they really exist in the modern game anymore um, whether it's you know perhaps making him a, a coach and giving him a bonus if he reaches so many minutes in the season then then all be it but but I think Liam Bricker will be and I think he should be. Um, you know, kicking around the EPC next season at, at least, and then hopefully we can get him on a contract where he becomes a coach because I think his experience in the game is invaluable. And you know, we're going to have such a young squad next season. You're thinking of, of all the academy players that have signed professional contracts, all the ones that are still in the team, like Gallagher and Freddie Draper and and Javon McComa that are still you know kicking around the first team. And you know, we've still got Sam Longshaw. Right, the list goes on. And Charlie Kendall's coming in the building. He's not extremely old. And I think having a player, although they're not similar positions, having a player with Bridcut's experience is only going to help these players. And yeah, I think, you know, in terms of the the, the model and the, and the club going and selling these players, and there's no better mentor for them. No, you see, interesting point. I think this summer we will see a recruitment of older players. Uh, and I'm not talking 30, 33 year old. And instantly, you know, you sign young players, you don't have enough experience. You sign older players, you're signing potential injury, injured players. That's kind of what people tend to say. I think we'll sign players who will be able to fill the more experienced role when Liam's not on the pitch. Um, and you know, I think Conor McGrandles will go this summer. I don't think he'll stay. Uh, I think he's been a decent player for Lincoln in spells. I think he's had, you know, he was great in the second half of last season. He's been all right in the second half of this season, but he was poor first half of this season and didn't really get in in the first half of last season. So um, I can see him going. I can see Adam Jackson going. He's out of contract this summer. And I don't think, you know, I think Michael will be looking for somebody with a, a better in, uh, injury record um, because you, if you haven't got Liam Bridcup playing, but you've got Jackson and Walsh playing 40 games together, and having had a pre-season together, I think probably we do better. And, and you touched there on last season about Liam Bridcon said we wouldn't have got where we got without him. Actually, um, the games that we lost, you know, key games I felt we lost last season were without Liam Bridcon. Mm. Uh, and so some people will say, well, we would have got to the championship if he had stayed fit all season. Yes, but also we might not have got to the top six if we hadn't had him for the games we did have him. And that's not saying we should give somebody a, yeah, and everybody thinks on social media they know how much he's on, but we shouldn't give somebody a, a three grand a week contract, for instance, to play 14 games. Of course we shouldn't. Of course we shouldn't. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to say that. Utterly ridiculous. To call him a drain on the football club is so short-sighted. And you know, if you've been to the training ground, and I, I've been lucky enough to do that, so it's, you know, it's easier for me to talk about um, the, the influence around there. But Liam Bridcott exudes just 
just experience and influence when he's around the players. And I remember talking to Robbie Gotts when Robbie Gotts came here on loan. Lovely lad. I don't remember that, by the way. I think there's a player in there. Uh, I remember him saying Liam Bridcock came and stayed at his house because Robbie moved into a house and then the player that Robbie was sharing with either went out on loan or left or whatever. And he was on this house on his own. Liam Bridcock would move in two nights a week and stay with Robbie Gotts because that was what he felt he should do as a captain rather than leaving a young player on his own. Now, that, you can't underestimate that. And it, it goes back to what we were just talking about, about the stand. We're talking about the stand and saying there's a, you know, the football club is more than just the first team. It is. And the first team is more than just 90, 95 minutes on a Saturday afternoon. It's you know, everything. And people call it the behind the scenes. Well, believe me, behind the scenes, I would say Liam Bridcut is almost as influential as the assistant manager, as David Kerslake. It would not, you know, because the management team pull the strings. It's like if you're in school, you're in a class and you've got your teachers and you listen to what they say and you listen to what they do. But then you've always got the kids in the class who are kind of the leaders, the ones that you look up to, whether it's the cool kids or I was going to say the clever kids, but no one looks up to them, do they? I should know. Um, do you know what I mean? I wasn't one of the clever kids. I went to grammar school. About 90% of the class were cleverer than I was. Uh, but you, do you know what I mean? You have leaders amongst the peers where if, where, where if one guy says... You know, you've got a class of 20 and, and one guy says pee on this electric fence, everyone will go, don't be a knob. But then if the leader goes and does it, other people go, yeah, I'll have a go at that. Yeah, why not? And I'm not saying Liam Bridcook gets other players to pee on electric fences. What I'm saying is that that's the person he is. That's the person he is. And I don't think, I think people underestimate that. I really do. Um, so what about, where would you stand on Adam Jackman? Adam, oh, and Jacko. Um, do you know what? I wasn't a big fan of Jacko last season. I think, um, I think my preferred centre-half partnership last season would have been Lewis and um, Walsh. Um, Jacko at times looked like the ball didn't belong at his feet in a, in a similar to way like Michael Bostwick, I suppose, in the fact that Jacko was there to head stuff away. And I think Appleton sort of said that he's by far the best header of a football at the football club. And it looked like Jacko was in the team to do that. And the fact that we now play out from the back, and well, we've always played out of the back with Jacko in there, but there's a lot more emphasis and I felt like we passed more from the back when we had Josh Griffiths in goal than Alex Palmer. I think Alex Palmer had that ability just to to hook the ball up the field accurately, whereas Josh Griffiths was more, you know, play it to the centre arms every goal kick. Um, I I would be disappointed to lose Jacko really, purely because I think, you know, he's committed. Um, I, I think the fact that he's had all these head injuries shows that he's willing to get down where it hurts and, Look, he's a he's a good centre half. Yes, he's been injured a lot. Um, I think I, I know I sound a bit contradictory with what I've said about Joe Walsh, um, because Joe Walsh probably plays the ball better with his feet. But still, um, I'll be disappointed to lose Jacko purely because I feel like Jacko feel I feel like Jacko gets it. Do you know what I mean? I feel he's not been at the club long, but I feel like in a way that player a player in the modern day can get it in terms of you know what it's like to be a supporter and and. You know, I just, I just, I don't feel that connection with Joe Walsh like I do with Adam Jackson um, now, which is completely strange because twelve months ago it would have been completely opposite. Um, but no, I, I, I'd be disappointed to lose him. Um, I think we probably will go, like you say, um, and it'd be interesting to see who we bring in. I think perhaps are you even looking to bring in a centre half because obviously we'll have Lewis come back sort of early next season. Regan can play there. TJ can play there. I'd probably be more in favour of bringing in a right-back um, than bringing in a, a centre-half to play right-centre-half. So, no, um, he'll probably disappear in the summer, but um, I'll be disappointed. See, it's interesting now. You talk about connection. 
And that's an interesting thing because I always say, uh, I always argue kind of the connection between players and fans is, is actually a bit overrated. Mm. Um, and But I get it. I get what you mean because Joe Walsh is a real quiet individual and his post-match interview from Wigan, I remember listening to it and just thinking, wow, you know, is that, is that what you've got to say? But that's his personality. And I've been, mm. I've been lucky enough to interview Jack, Adam Jackson on a couple of occasions. And he's a good guy, a really nice guy. And he, he is somebody that gets it. And, you know, I, I sometimes look at him and I just think, oh, I just I wish it'd work out for you. Do you know what I mean? I do. Mm. I just think there's been too many injuries. And, and mm. people will be really critical if we go into next season carrying the same players that we've mm. had this season whose injuries have affected us. Because there's no doubt in my mind, if Adam Jackson, Liam Bridcott and Joe Walsh all play 40 games this season, we would have been safe six weeks ago. I've got yeah. no doubt in my mind about that at all. Uh, and and I'll throw Tom Hopper into that, by the way, as well. Because it was, you know, the, the lack of attacking threat uh, November and December really, really did for us. But there's four players who have spent... You know, months on the sidelines this season who if they'd played every game or they played 40, 45 games this season would be higher up. And we can't go into next season carrying all four of those. And I, I'm not sure about Tom's um, contract status. I, I thought it was two and a half years. I thought Tom was up this summer. Uh, yeah. I, I, might be, I, I might be wrong. Yeah, I don't think he's signed improved terms yet, has he? I think he might uh, well do, but um, I, I think it was a two and a half year deal when we signed him. And obviously, I know Jacko is up. I know Joe Walsh signed an extension to his deal uh, not so long ago. I mean, it's a shame because I think Chris Maguire got two years as well. But um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be an interesting summer. But going kind of moving on a little bit now, we talk about connection and, and you've alluded to uh, a certain person, but we're going to move. You're happy to move on, by the way, AJ? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm good. Uh, you look, you look, you look at me there like Charlie looks at me when he wants something. I was just wondering. <laughs> I want a bacon sandwich, Gary. If you can make me one. Oh, do you know what? I'd love one. I'd love one. Yeah, right. Obviously, I'm on this health kick, aren't I? And I don't know if yeah. you know. Yeah, I've been working really hard. I'm running 28, 30 minutes at a time now, which is unbelievable for me. But I'm so fucking hungry, Jake, all of the time. <laughs> I'm so hungry. Do, and, do... and like things. And Fee's doing it as well. And she said to me today, should we have sausage, egg and chips for dinner? She goes, but I'll take on it. And they're like, they're like a chip in a low fry thing done in the yeah. oven from pop of yeah. potatoes and yeah. like meat-free sausages, low calorie, and it's eggs done in the low fry thing. And I just think, yeah, I do want that. But bacon sandwich. I'll, I'll tell you what, actually, I watch calories now. Do you know the bacon sandwich, there's more calorie in the bread than there is the bacon? I didn't know that. I didn't. No, you do now. I do. I was going to just tell you, Gary, that what I was going to have for tea tonight. Um, no, it's not very. It's not football related, obviously. But um, no, no, crack on. I'm. I'm staying, obviously, because I'm going making the, the trek down to to Portsmouth tomorrow. So where I live, I live in Boston. So I have to make. I have to do like an overnight at a work colleague's house. And she asked me at work the other day, "What do you want for for tea when you come over and stay?" And do you know, what I said, "I said Hunter's chicken." Like, oh yes, and and she's gonna do me hunter's chicken and homemade chips and then <sighs> um, waffles for dessert. I am so excited. Oh, but, I love a good. Sorry, sorry to uh, <laughs> sorry to. Do you know what? Genuinely, for me, a, a meal has got to have something sauce kind of based on it. Yeah. So like a sausage egg and chips, you get away with a yolk. But last night, and it, it was it was a nice enough dinner. Fee very kindly cooked it. It was a it was a lamb chop, fat cut off quite a small one. It was like a Jamie Oliver quinoa kind of thing. I had to put ketchup on it because do you know what? It's substance, isn't it? 
Ooh. And a hunter's chicken. And the problem yeah. with hunter's chicken, of course, is the cheese on it. And yeah. normally when I like we occasionally bought hunter's chicken in like a foil tray, you know, from like the co-op. Yeah. And I always whack a sauce on it. I used to whack a load of cheese on it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why you get to be a fat bastard. Yeah. Um, I'm, away. I'm well on my way to, to having to wear an XL shirt next season. I've been I've been wearing in home shirts three XL. Uh, for the last few seasons. And you know what? I was wearing them and I was thinking, God, these sizes aren't right, are they? And <laughs> I did one of those, you know, photos in the mirror where you take a picture of yourself with your belly out and then a month yeah. later you do it again. And I've put the two pictures together and I am still fat, uh, but I've lost a stone. And I just kind of think, you know what? For another couple of months, I, I, I actually wish smaller sizes were cheaper because it might be more motivation. Mm. Um, but anyway, there we go. So anyway, you're making the trip down to Portsmouth. Uh, yeah. That's obviously the one of two games that we're going to talk about. And I'm just looking at the time and I'm aware that we're, we're flying on a little bit, actually, with our dinner talk. So um, you've been speaking to somebody from Portsmouth, I believe. Yeah. So I've interviewed a guy called Tom. He does the 4-0 written all over it. Um, YouTube channel, big Pompey fan. I think he's been to every game this season. Um, really nice lad. Um, we had a, a nice big chat and, and here's what he had to say. Disappointing is a really good way to summarise it. Um, yeah, just not where we want to be. Um, and I think that was, you're going to ask me about the booze at Cheltenham in a minute, but I think that was yeah. one of the reasons why um, why we heard that. Um, there's a bit of unrest in terms of what the owners are or are not maybe investing in the football club in order for the, the team to be in a better position than what is just a mid-table side at the minute. And I think over the course of a season, when you've played 30, 35 games, coming up to sort of the 40 and then ended up on the 46, it's sort of, you can tell by that point where you are. And if you're a mid-table side, you're going to be in the mid-table places. And if you're challenging for the top, you're going to be up the top, aren't you? And and we know where we are. We know what we are at the minute. It's been a small squad, which is perhaps a a reason rather than excuse as to why it's been disappointing. Um, We've, been times this season, prolonged periods where we've had 13 fit senior players available for selection um, and we've literally made two substitutions and used everybody. Um, other reasons, I don't know, we were we chopped and changed. We had a, a summer transfer window that was, I wouldn't, you'd probably describe it as an overhaul, but not to the extent that we've seen from the likes of Ipswich. And then we had another one in January where we bought quite a few in. Bit of a panic, kind of bring in some loan deals towards the end of the season and try and get us over the line. It hasn't quite worked. Um, Yeah, so disappointing. Want to be challenging higher. Hopefully we'll challenge higher next year. You look at it on paper and the league table, we are actually backwards from where we ever were with Kenny Jacket. I don't think we finished lower than 10th under Kenny Jacket in League One. But having said that, I'm going to now say that Danny Cowley has been revolutionary for Portsmouth Football Club. And I'm saying that from a standpoint of a culture point of view, a, a personnel point of view, a doing just the little things like, and you will have seen it at, at Lincoln, doing a lap of the pitch at the end of a game, win, lose or draw, clapping the fans. I know that kind of contributed to a bit of a bit of a downfall against Cheltenham when we booed him and they didn't come any closer and they all went off down the tunnel. Um, but yeah, without fail, he's been around the pitch. There was never a time when Kenny Jacket was out on the pitch, clapping the fans. There was a massive disconnect between him and the supporters. Um, my star of the season is Gavin Bazunu, which is a real shame, but 
you would expect it from what we've we've um, we've had to endure. And there's been literally articles breaking today about European interest in Gavin Bazunu and how he's he's going to be off somewhere. And I'm actually surprised that he was in League One in the first place because. I will say it with my chest, I've got a Pompey badge on, Pompey shirt on, but he is the best goalkeeper in the league. One of our best defenders we've had since I'm thinking back to, to Premier League days, if I'm yeah. honest. Um, I, can't, I can't remember. Someone who is so consistently just on it, solid, obviously makes a few mistakes and he will have made a few mistakes at, at Lincoln, I'm sure. Um but I mean, for for those mistakes that he does make, he massively pays us back in terms of his the the way you can just turn up and just be Sean Raggett every week. Like I mean, that sounds like a really simple thing to say, but Ronan Curtis is not unplayable every week. He's unplayable once a month. Yeah. Marcus Harness, who I really highly rate, is not unplayable every week. He's probably unplayable twice every every month. Yeah. Um, Sean Raggett is always on his metal. Morel unbelievable um don't want to name drop but i know his mum and dad quite well um so yeah um so that, i've got a little bit of a kind of bit of a thing for joe morrell yeah. um he's actually shorter than me as well which not a lot of people are which is great um yeah i mean he's 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 but again turned up every week and he's actually it goes a little bit unnoticed in terms of statistic what's that's easy to say it statistically wise <laughs> Because he, he will do the kind of the assist before the assist. Yeah. He'll put yeah. the ball in to be nodded back over to be scored. And he won't get on the assist sheet, mm. or we won't get plaudits for assist in the goal. But he's quite he's a massive organ grinder, although yeah. he's quite small in stature and what he does for the team is more than more than makes up for that. So yeah, Morel's another really good one. Then we, we start to take a bit of a plunge of Tyler Walker, I'm afraid. Um and, and I th- He's only been here since January. He hasn't played. I think if you look at the overall minutes he's played in a Pompey shirt, he won't have had too much. Mm. He's had a couple of starts and come off the bench once or twice. All I need to say about Tyler Walker is we were playing Cheltenham on Saturday. And I feel like this entire interview has been me talking about Cheltenham (laughs) on Saturday. But it's it's, it's a good example to give you. Um, He started the game with Hurst and Walker as our two Mm. strikers. A lot of people would have gone... Why are you not playing Curtis and Hurst? Why are you not playing Aidan O'Brien and Hurst? Why are you basically why are you playing no other combination than someone that's not Walker and George Hurst, basically? Mm. Um and on about sixty-five minutes we've just gone one nil down. The board went up and we thought, right, okay, this is this is good news. He's taken a striker and Aidan O'Brien stood on the touchline on the far side thinking, brilliant, right, O'Brien and Hurst, we're going to go for it for 25 minutes, see if we can get someone out of this game. George Hurst's number comes up and he takes off George Hurst and puts on Aidan O'Brien and there is, like, loud boos in... And have you, have you been to Cheltenham? Yes, before, you yeah. You know how close you are to the pitch yeah, yeah, yeah. way in, right? Tyler Walker's literally stood in the penalty box. He can hear that. He sees the number go up. And we're, we're literally indirectly booing Tyler Walker because he hasn't been subbed off the pitch. Yeah. I don't know what happened with Mark, Chris, if I'm honest. We bought him for two million quid. And I don't know how much we sold him to you for, but it wasn't two million quid. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'd... What happened with Mark? I would try and try and explain it if I can. Mm. He 
we were drawing 2-2 with Charlton away at the Valley. Absolutely. He misses a sitter from three yards out and he pokes it wide. That's in sort of September, October time. All right, you miss some, whatever. He keeps doing that for weeks and weeks and weeks. He, he, you feel like he's not scoring any and his confidence is just so, so low. And every week you're thinking, come on, Marquis, you're in the starting 11, you've got to score, get your confidence back up. Then he'll score in a 4-0 win against Sunderland and you think, right, excellent, here we go, Marquis is back, let's get him scoring like he used to for us. And then he just doesn't and he just capitulates. And, and I think, yeah, I, I was actually quite surprised that he went as quickly as he did and I think something went wrong at the Lincoln Media Department. You announced him the night before and it was meant to be the morning after yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So people got wind of that a little bit early doors than maybe they should have done. But yeah, it was all quite sort of quick. I think he needed a change. I'm actually really pleased that it's starting. To, well, it has. it is working yeah. um, because it wasn't at Pompey. And I think that benefits us just as much as it benefits him. Mm. Uh, so that that's what I'll say on Marquis. I, I wish him all the best. I just really hope he doesn't score on Friday. But I know he's going to. Uh, yeah, I remember actually Hurst, he did something similar to what he did on Saturday. I think he, he went on a bit of a run and created a goal. Uh, I believe Harness scored as yeah. well. I yeah, think yeah. I'm right in saying. So, yeah, happy memories. And then what I remember most firmly is the... Um, the free kick that yeah. didn't work and then worked underneath yeah. from Rico Hackett, which yeah. Um, yeah, that's that was, um, and then everyone fell on top of each other in the away yeah. end. There's about a thousand of us there that night, I think, which is um, which is pretty good for for a Tuesday night on a, a cold night in Lincoln. Um, yeah, happy memories of that one. And um, actually, for, for your point of view as well, I was I, I spoke to you about this earlier in the week. I, I thought that um, Danny and Nikki did a lap of your pitch they before they got over to. To the Pompey fans, which I, you know, I don't think I've seen that from a returning management uh, set up, really. I, don't, I know you don't really see many mm. managers going back to old clubs with your new team, as it were. But I've never seen something like that before for for us or for any other club. So I thought that was that was quite a, a nice moment. I was gutted when you didn't win the playoffs, um, when you didn't win that game at the Stadium of Light. I was absolutely beside myself because, A, I don't like Sunderland very much and, and B, I really wanted you to do it. Yes, I am surprised. Um, I think you should at least be competing for similar places to what you were last season. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone can argue with that. I'm also a massive fan of Michael Appleton, who you may or, not, may or may not be, you will know, that he was a, obviously Pompey manager, um, Jesus Christ! Ten years ago, at least mm. now, um, and he he was he was there for our famous two two draw with um, with our neighbours down the road at St Mary's. I remember that's one of my favourite games under Appleton. But yeah, I think he's class actually, um, and I, I am disappointed because it, it has been quite a. a I mean, I'm, I know very little about you guys. It's mm. been a really surprising decline from where you were last season I'm actually quite quite shocked to see that it hasn't worked out for you am I right saying you were a little bit lower down than you are right now for quite a while this year weren't you is that we, right we, were in, we were in the bottom four Tom for about three hours and that right, was the okay. worst so that was like the worst three hours of my life <laughs> it was horrendous uh, I think I think it was when um Doc Morgan went to Doncaster and they were three nil up and then Doncaster went and won four three up it was that mad moment um, we were in the bottom three, but yeah, it's it's just not been very fun. And you know, it, it might surprise you, Tom, that a lot of our fans are actually Appleton out at the moment. 
does surprise me. Doesn't surprise me given the league position, but does surprise me given the quality of the manager that I remember. Yeah, so uh, I, I think what Tom's the the idea that I got from from Tom was that their their performance on Tuesday night. Obviously, they they battered Rotherham three nil. Um, it was a complete sort of mismatch to how their season has gone. I think he sort of said it was f- completely just out of the window that he wasn't expecting it. And um, but no, he's he's a massive fan of of obviously an ex manager of ours, and they've got some good players and. It'll be a difficult game, I think. Um, I think he's expecting a tougher game. Um, and, yeah, um, just it's going to be a really tough game, I think, guys. I think it obviously we, I think we've won there once, and that was last season. I think we spoke about that as well. Um, and, yeah, no, Tom's, a, Tom's a really nice guy. I think I'll be going on his uh, YouTube channel, um, so he'll have a video up on, on Saturday or Friday night, depending on when he gets it uploaded. But, yeah, yeah. Um, big game and another opportunity to get three points and rub it in the nose. You know, I called it an old school reunion, Gary. Do you know what I mean? It's got those sort of vibes, hasn't it? Yeah, we said before and we weren't going to mention the, the hot topic around any game with Portsmouth uh, and, and we're not going to. But what I would say is it goes back to that discussion we had on connection, doesn't it? Mm. Um, you know, because that was, there was very much a connection there on our part with the, with, with the, 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 the staff member uh, from from Portsmouth, who we were trying desperately not to mention, not out of disrespect, just because it's boring and everyone talks mm. about everyone talks about it. Um, I've noticed that, that that connection hasn't particularly transpired for them, and I think you know they were. I think was it they lost at Cheltenham, uh, yeah. and and they yeah. saw, saw a video of their management team going over and applauding the away fans, and the away fans were singing what the you know was that back at them. I don't know yeah. why I blanked out that swearing. Um, <laughs> Very Gary. You, know, you look at that game, one nil to Cheltenham. I mean, Cheltenham's XG was was very very good, three point six one compared to Portsmouth at two point zero three. Um, so actually, Cheltenham were very good in that game as well. But uh, in uh, been an interesting one. I'm like you at the top of the show. I'm I'm not expecting us to get a huge amount out of that game. Uh, I get from the way you were talking that you're probably expecting us to get nothing from it. Mm. I think we can go there and get a point. I think we showed enough. Uh, in our recent game against um, uh, Wigan, that we're a de- you know we're a decent side and we can we can score goals. And I also think that there will be an element of um, revenge. I mean, we were so poor against them at our place, so mm. poor. And they have got good players. There's no doubt whatsoever about that. But you know, guaranteed, Michael Appleton starts John Marcus in this game. Guaranteed. And we go back again to that talk about us not being able to afford him. If that is a precursor to was actually saying, John, we want you to stay. We're going to offer you these wages, but you'll get this, that, and this, and that, which I think it could well be. Michael, Michael will give him. Michael will start him in this game because he'll want the revenge. He'll want to go out there and prove to the the people at Portsmouth uh, that that he can do the job. If he doesn't start on Saturday, for me, that's a signal that actually we genuinely can't afford him, and we're, we you know we're not in the running for it. That's what I personally think. Uh, yeah, so and, um, but by speaking to Tom, he he he, he likes Marquis, and I think he 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 didn't say it to me um, while recording, but he he made it pretty obvious that that Tyler Walker's not hit the ground running there, and obviously he was the replacement for John Marquis. I think Tyler Walker got booed um, in, indirectly on on Saturday at Cheltenham, um, which you know you, if you say that to a Lincoln fan, perhaps what two years ago you you would you, you wouldn't you know you would expect him to be playing at this level, would you? Given what he did for us, so. No, um, I think he wants Marcus to do well. I think he said it's pretty much written in the stars for 
for John Marquis to go there and score. I, I seem to remember he scored against us. Um, but I think both times when, so the season, obviously, that we got into the playoffs, I feel like he scored when they beat us 3-1 at the bank, I think. And then they all, he also scored the time before that. I seem to remember John Marquis scoring goals against us all the time um, for Pompey. I think so, yeah, yes, yeah, you know what I mean, and, and he, he, uh, it's just all set, set up for him because that. Uh, oh God, I nearly said it, Gary. Um, that ex staff member um, obviously didn't really think that he suited his plans, and I would love nothing more for John Marquis to go there and and absolutely, you know, have his performance. I think he's not scored in thirteen out of the last fourteen games, and what better way to break that duck than than to go and score, you know, a hat full of goals away at, at Portsmouth, and but no, I think. Obviously, there's there's three players in their starting eleven that 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 we'll know very well, and I I expect at least two of them to start. Um, Sean, who I believe actually is looking to move on from Portsmouth in the summer, that there's nothing been officially reported, but um, apparently he, look, he he looks to 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 leave. And obviously, Joe Morell is a player that I mean, you know, we speak about connection. Joe Morell probably out of anyone in in that squad that I felt connected to. You know, that that first year we were in League One, so. Yeah, um, hopefully John Marquis uh, can go and score and, and shut people up. But do you know what? Um, if he doesn't stay, he's become a bit of a cult hero, and uh, and you know, you know, you wish him all the best because he, he's came in and had a really good impact. And I think he's one that gets it as well um, with his laps of the pitch and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've really answered your question, but yeah, John Marquis to score a hat trick on on Friday afternoon. Yes, please. I'll be honest, I've forgotten what the question was, Jake. I thought I thought I was listening to Ben. Um, Brilliant. Uh, lifted off. Okay. Actually, you know what? You said... You said a fact in there and I thought, give over, you've, you've got that wrong, that Marquis hasn't scored in 13 of his last 14 games. I can't believe that. And you're right, you're spot on. Yeah, you're right. And I can't, I can't believe that because I had this thing in my head that, you know, it was only a couple of games ago that Marquis has scored. And if you take Sheffield Wednesday out, he hasn't actually scored since his first three games. Yeah. And that as well does make you question, actually, is it worth breaking the money for? Um, you know, talking about uh, breaking wages and uh, structure and things like that. So um, moving on quickly, then obviously Cheltenham on, on Monday, uh, you would hope by that point we'll probably be safe. Um yeah. You'd certainly hope that's the case. The last time I think we played Cheltenham on an Easter Monday was actually um, uh, the year that we went down in 2010-11. And, you know, I remember going into that game thinking we should be safe by now. They were one of the teams down yeah. there with it. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at it. Obviously, you haven't done the interviewers yet. They play very defensively. I mean, against Ch- against Portsmouth last week, bear in mind, they were the home side. They, they kind of played three centre-backs, two full-backs and, and, and three in midfield as well. So it's very much a 5-3-2. They don't have a lot to play for against us, but that doesn't mean that they're going to come here and roll over. Big threat probably being Alfie May, another former player in Ellis Chapman not playing at the moment. I think he's kind of in and out of their squad. Uh, Sean Long, of course, he's now playing on the right of the three at the back. Or certainly did against uh, uh, did against um, Portsmouth last week. Mm. Um, I mean, I, personally, as I say, I'm hoping at this point that we're safe anyway. So I think it it could be a little bit of a dead rubber if we're not. If we need something from the game, it's I think it's going to be another one of those afternoons like Gillingham and Doncaster, and an evening like Morecambe where you know, we see a lot of the ball, but but struggle to break things down. Because the truth is, we've got 41 games into the season or 42 games into the season. 
there ain't going to be a fundamental change over the last four fixtures. And and that was kind of the, the, the Wigan thing, you know, everybody expecting something different. It's not going to be the case. So where 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 do you think um what do you think of the game? Um look, Gal, I think it I think it's a hard game. I think Michael Duff has got them playing some really good football. Um I think he's probably a bit of an outside shout for, for manager of the season in terms of he's yeah. kept kept them up comfortably and you know what, if if you know if we had gone up last year and Appleton had gone off in the summer, Michael Duff would have been right there at the top of my list to, to, to recruit in. Um, look, he, he, he's a good manager. I think they play some good football. I mean, you've picked up Alfie May. I think he's 21 league goals this season. Um, I think a lot of those have come in the, over the last sort of 10, 15 games. I remember he scored loads against Wigan, uh, not Wigan, Wickham, um, when they drew 5-5 down there. Um, the player that I'm sort of quite worried about is Callum Wright in midfield. Um, on loan from Leicester um, I think he's one of those that had a loan spell there last year came back this year um, I think he's out of contract at, at Leicester actually so he might be a player that, that might be worth looking at for us if we want goals in midfield but yeah I think he's he's scored a couple of goals in recent weeks um, and you know they're not, they're not a bad side they, they remind me in a lot of ways of crew last year um, obviously they, they came up they had a load of good players and they've comfortably Avoided relegation and, and crew did that last year. Obviously, they've sold all the players and and gone on a bit of a tumble. So, yeah, good side. I think obviously um, Dan and Lundaloo has gone there on loan. He's now injured for the rest of the season, so we won't get to come and thank Dan for that twenty minute performance that he made all season against Wigan. Um, um, but yeah, do you know what? It's it's difficult. Um, yeah, it'd be hard. It'd be a hard game. I think Michael Duff will set them up well. They're obviously defensively very sound. They score goals. I mean, I don't know if you saw Gary when they played, you know, a dead rubber game against Accrington the other week. They drew four four. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know if you saw the highlights, but Will Boyle, their centre half, scored a, a goal exactly sort of, you know, you wouldn't have sort of thought wasn't Dennis Burkamp or Robin Van Persie or somebody like that. It was a sensational finish for a centre half. So. No, difficult game. It, it it's got Accrington at home vibes for me. I don't it, like. I feel like we're going to be over the all over for a little bit, and then they're going to have one. You know, the Accrington game felt like they had one shot, and Colby Bishop put it away. And I feel like that might might be a similar case with Alfie May. But yeah, I, I I'd like a point away at uh, home to Cheltenham. But obviously, hopefully, we should be saved, shouldn't we? Really. Um, but no, d- tough. Difficult, difficult game because they're they're a really good side and probably someone that we thought we would finish above this year. But no, they've, they've done well, haven't they? Yeah, I think so. Like I'm a massive, um, massive believer in Michael Duff being one of the best managers in this division, working mm. with the budget that he has. Um, they do play some decent football as well. I've, you know, I don't profess to have seen every minute that they've played, but I've certainly watched a few of their highlights. And they're a team, I think, that are greater than the sum of their parts. I mean, Alfie May's been around this level for a while now and, and, and has had a storming season. Um, I like the boy from Leicester as well in the midfield. I remember him kind of going there in the in the summer and thinking, um, you know, be, be interesting to see what he does. Uh, you know, second season syndrome could be a big one for them. You know, we've seen it with Crew this, this year, haven't we, that that second season is always a tough mm. one and you know, I think people will look at Michael Duff in the summer, and and the sort of teams that might look at him are those that are on the like on the cusp of a uh, a manager change. Oxford, you know, if if I was Oxford and and they don't make it this year, I'd be wondering maybe Carl Robinson is he the right man? Michael Duff absolutely has got a bigger mm. career ahead of him. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. I just I'm getting sick of watching Lincoln lose at home. Uh, not so sick that I'd, I'm going to stop going, but yeah, it'd just be nice to end on a high. And if we are safe, 
going to be interesting because we've never seen Michael Appleton manage dead rubbers. You know, the first year season he was here, there was still lots to play for and the season was curtailed early. So we still, you know, we were still kind of battling against relegation last year. You know, went down to the last sort of 45 minutes of the season. So we've never seen him go into a game where it's almost like a free hit. If we're safe, his team selection might say a lot about what he plans in the summer. Um, and if we're safe on Monday, I'd actually like to see some of those young players that we talked about, the Gallaghers and the, you know, mm. the other lads who've put on full-time contracts, get them in and around the squad, you know, get get them a game or two and, and just just let's end it on a, on a note where we can see something going forward rather than, you know, 442 with Chris Maguire on the right wing or, or, yeah. or wherever he's meant to be playing. Um, <laughs> well, we've got crew last game of the season, haven't we, at home? So we should end on, on a high. No, but, we'll get, you know, we'll get given, that. Given, the, given the performance, you know, I went to the crew away game. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously we didn't, we didn't win that, did we? So no, we possibly might not end up on a high anyway. Um, not to be. Oh, I, always, I always remember Sunderland. You know, when Sunderland were crap, oh, they are. But they came when they get dropped out of the championship. And they've been they've been awful all season. And Wolves were promoted on the last day of the season. It was Sunderland Wolves, and Sunderland won three 0 And yes. and that kind of you know we've already won the uh, the the league and Colchester come and they beat yeah, us three yeah. nil. Um, there was a dead rubber we played one year and we went off to Carlisle. Carlisle came to Sinselbank and we won 6-2 or something like that. Mm. The final day of the season, if there's nothing on it, you can go out and express yourself a bit. Um, and, and if there's nothing riding on that, yeah, I'd be starting Ben House up top with mm. with whoever. Yeah, Ben House and Tom Hopper. If we're not going to sign Marquis, no point in playing him. If Conor McGrandles ain't going to sign a new deal, don't play him in midfield. Play Max Sanders and, mm. and let's see how he gets on. So. Right, well, that should take us actually to around an hour and ten minutes. Unbelievable, isn't it? Well, you know, guys, I thought we were going to struggle to get there given the the uh, the crapness of the Wigan game, and and well, to be fair, we've had a busy week, so yeah, maybe it's not a surprise. No, so I think all that's left to say is uh, obviously Happy Easter to everybody. Hope it is a happy Easter. Thank you, Jake, for your time. Um, yeah. And we will be back in some guys, one of us. We're like three of a kind now. You never know who you're going to get. So if we win, it'll be me and Ben. If there's defeats, it'll be Jake and somebody um, next week. So uh, up the yeah. Looking forward to it. Up the Imps. The 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.